Welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Melanin, the show, the fandom, and everything to do with it. I'm Momotastic. And I'm a Snowfox. And today we have two brand new guests from France who are Real Life Sucks Ass, also known as Saturn. Yes, hello. <laughs> and their friend Cloud Factory. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> We're really excited to have you guys on here because today we are going to talk about Uther and Gaius and see how their characters changed over the seasons and what we know about them. And I know you guys are big fans, especially of Gaius and Rox is a big fan of Uther, so this is gonna be this is gonna be great seeing how I'm really like like indifferent toward Uther and don't like Gaius. So <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. I uh, feel like your like distaste towards Gaius has just kind of evolved as we've done this podcast because I feel like you <laughs> kind of where you probably wouldn't have gone back to like watch Gaius specific episodes in season one. I like more and more I've seen you be on the podcast like actually what is he doing? <laughs> and now I feel like you have like this identity as a Gaius hater. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's amazing. Anyway, before we get into all of that, uh, let's hear some news. Merlin Cannon Fest just put up an episode list. In about two weeks, on Saturday the 23rd of June, the fest will open up claiming. So mark that date in your calendar and think about what episode you want to create something new for. Patrick Big Bang is back. Sign-ups have begun and are ongoing. If you want to record a Merlin fic or series that is at least 10,000 words long, this is your opportunity. Cover artists are also needed for this Big Bang challenge. Go sign up if you love making part fics. All pairings, ratings and fandoms are welcome. Merlisten, yes that's right, this very podcast now has a Discord server. We intend to mainly use it to coordinate recording dates and times with our guest hosts, but we also hope that some of our listeners will join us to hang out and chat about the podcast. Marie-Louise's Mirtha art book is ready to be sold. It's got the format of A5 and the price depends on where you are in the world. You can buy it by donating the right amount to Marie-Louise on Ko-fi. There's a link to the preview and Marie-Louise's Ko-fi in the post of this podcast on our website. And another Podfic collab challenge just announced that it's coming back this year. It's called Pod Together and it's a challenge designed for writers and Podfickers to work together. The writer writes a completely new fic that's going to be Podfic for the challenge as well. Both works, or just a part fic, will be posted on their posting date. For more information, check out the link on our website or go directly to pod-together.dreamwith.org. For this next piece of news, I shall quote the official description. Unconventional Courtship is a pan fandom fic fest where you write and post a thousand words or more fic based on an M&B Holokin plot. Fics will be posted to this community staggered through August 2018. So this is a challenge where you pick an existing romance novel plot and then create a fic for it. And last but not least, this is your reminder that the Bottom Author Fest starts tomorrow on June the 11th. Any and all author pairings are welcome as long as he's the bottom in that combination. Alright, and that's that for news. And now in with another talkback. Again, we're limiting ourselves to just one because character analysis episodes are usually long especially talking about two characters with two guests so we only have the one from archaeologist d who commented on our 15th episode which was a character episode about 
Mordred, and I think there is something urgent Roxanne wants to say about that. No, it's no, it's not urgent. I just found it really interesting that when we were doing the Mordred episode, we obviously had the whole ideological debate about whether Merlin's decision to protect Arthur at all costs was the right one or not. And um, that's basically what Archd is saying. She's saying... Um, I found Mordred an interesting character, but I pretty much blame Merlin for season five. (laughs) Merlin was way too focused on Arthur and not on magic or magic users. He should have been a force for good, and instead he was a force for keeping Arthur alive and screwed that up. Uh, (laughs) Which is basically what we kind of discussed. But I think what's interesting is, like, Merlin as a character was never meant to be a force for good. Like, literally the reason he exists in this incarnation of the show anyway, like I think in most Arthurian legends in general, he's there to make sure that Arthur um, kind of sees his destiny to fruition. And that is literally what we're told in the first episode by the dragon. That is his big plan in life from, you know, whatever fates are at work. Like, you know, he is there to be there for Arthur and he was never meant to be there for some messiah for the like you know magic users um which i find really interesting even though obviously like i'm sure he wished things had gone differently but i mean i've already made my thoughts clear about how merlin's kind of protection of arthur is in season five i as a shipper really really like it and as someone that loves his character i find it really fascinating because i think that it just like it became like uh an obsession that kind of like created him into this like really jaded character at the end of the season where he became a really optimistic one at first and obviously that was partly because of this like need to make sure that Arthur stays alive at all costs um but that's probably also because I don't really care about Mordred so <laughs> I was really, like Meh, whatever <laughs> but yeah I just found that really interesting I don't know what do you think Momo do you think that like her point about like he should like he should have been a force for good has um like do you do you do you agree with that or do you think that that is kind of maybe putting a bit too much on him like for what he was meant to be in the show i think that well i'm i'm sort of split in the middle to be honest because i think merlin of season one would be appalled to see merlin of season five like if you take the naive boy of season one who really wanted to use magic as a power of good and wanted people to see what magic can do in terms of you know good stuff and like i think that seeing if he could have seen his older self 10 years later he would have really been scared by what he saw so like just taking merlin in season five as the result of the previous seasons and the last decade that he has lived is I can see how the character came to be this person like he like he got this identity that he has but comparing him to season one Merlin I think that season one Merlin is just like season one Merlin is not exactly the opposite but pretty far removed from season five Merlin Mm. and I think that's where that's where it is like for us it's at most five years if you watch the show as it aired and if you binge watch the show after it aired then you know it's even shorter amount of time for you and it's really 
hard for us to process that in terms of the character, this character has lived much longer and has many more experiences to draw from to reach the point where he is in season five than us. Like for us, it's much easier to compare season one Merlin to season five Merlin. Well, season five Merlin doesn't remember his season one personality just because it was 10 years ago. So I can I can see both sides honestly. Like I can I can see your point, Rox, and I also can understand. Uh, like because I'm I'm a little bit in that camp where I think that if had Merlin not been as mistrusting of Mordred as he was in season five, many a thing could have gone differently. But he was, and they did go this way. And so, what are you gonna do except write fic for it? <laughs> Uh, I just have one thing to say about uh, what you said about uh, Merlin. Yeah, yeah go yeah. on. I think uh, Merlin maybe uh, just had um, faith in Arthur. And um, he, he thought that uh, eventually uh, Arthur would um, realize uh, magic. And he didn't uh, realize maybe Merlin, he had uh, a role to play too. Maybe he had to reveal his secret to uh, Arthur to make a uh, thing uh, change. Maybe he thought if if he kept uh, Arthur on the throne, Arthur will make the prophecy come true, and not Merlin. Uh, but Arthur had to uh, do it, and uh, Merlin was just there to to keep uh, Arthur on the sh- throne of Camelot, and. Um, Maybe, I don't know, but it's a possibility of why on season five we still don't have any any changes. That would make sense, actually, that, you know, for the change to happen, Merlin would have had to reveal himself and help Arthur see the light, but he didn't, and so nothing changed, and then Merlin lost all hope, and then Arthur died. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the tragedy of the show, which I really love. Is like, and that's why I really liked Archie's like way of putting it, and the way that we kind of talked about it in the Mordred episode was the whole idea of you know, if 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 this had happened differently, if like Morgana had told Uther about her magic before Mordred came to Camelot, if you know merlin hadn't believed in the prophecy so much if the drag you know and it's like i love the fact that the tragedy of all these characters lives is that maybe if one thing had gone differently like they would have lived in harmony but it just wasn't meant to be and i think that's the whole like thing about this legend from the beginning is that it was always fated to end with everyone really unhappy (laughs) which is kind of like and I think he didn't do a, like, I think that actually the whole thing with Merlin's obsession of keeping Arthur safe was a really good way of doing that, you know, a really good way of making sure that that prophecy was, like, bound to come true. Because, yeah, it made him then distrust Mordred because anything that, like, comes in the way of Arthur's happiness, Merlin is just, like, a lioness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mordred. What? Poor Mordred, honestly. Poor Mordred. That's why we like the show because you you can imagine all possibilities, but in the end they all died. <laughs> Archie also said one other thing uh, that was mostly directed at me um, 
for one of the wrecks I gave during that episode. The you said that you couldn't find Mr. Emrys and the Pret uh, anywhere in in written format to read as fig, and that's yeah, that's what I that's what I said. It's only available as pod fig at the moment, and not in written form, but. The podfig is definitely worth the listen, and like it's really short. So even if someone is not really into podfig or audiobooks in general, if they still want to listen to this story, it's really it's really short and really fun. So you definitely should give it a try. Like it could be your your gateway into podfig listening, or just you know the one podfig that you try listening to because this story is really cute. So and if there's uh, if the link to that I have on the website is broken because sometimes the archive where the podfix are stored, uh, where the older podfix are stored, disappears. Like if that is gone for some reason, any anyone listening, not just uh, D, anyone listening, can just hit me up and let me know and I'll send them a copy because the story is just, it's just cool. It's just cute. So I just wanted to say that. That's that for talkbacks. Now, I want to know more about our guests who have already participated in this lively discussion about Mordred once more. So, guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, who you are, how you found Merlin, how you got into the fandom, and when. So, go! Um, uh, so, first time I heard about um, Merlin uh, was on uh, Tumblr. I saw uh, the gif, gif, <laughs> gif of the, the final final episode, <laughs> and I, I thought I, I thought uh, oh something looks uh, tragic and beautiful and uh, I won't get hurt because I already know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting how many people have told us this. Story. They saw something and tell her were like, "Oh, I know how it ends. I won't get emotional about it." Oh. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert! I got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I started um, watching with um, uh, with Cloud Factory and a few other friends, the first uh, episodes of Merlin, uh, I really liked the humor. I didn't think it would be so uh, funny. And um, I liked uh, Gaius and uh, the guards were uh, so useless, and I love it. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I watched the, the, the whole uh, series, uh, with very fun and light in the beginning, and then turned out to be dark and depressing. And um, then I, I started uh, writing a fic with Cloud, Cloud Factory. Uh, a fic uh, that is even more depressing than <laughs> the show. Yeah, we like that. Yeah, I'm, like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm writing the, the sequel of that fic. <laughs> and uh, that's it. I um, I do some art too, but uh, not uh, not very often, uh, just for fun. And uh, I translate my own uh, fic since I, I write in French. I uh, translate my own fic into uh, English. With a uh, cloud factory <laughs> help, she's my beta reader in English and in French. In French, <laughs> yeah, yes. So that's it. <laughs> uh, as for me, well, I what's funny? I started uh, watching the show with Saturn, 
But a, a few years before, a friend showed me uh, Merlin. And I remember I said to her, wow, that's shit. <laughs> and a few years, uh, maybe two years later, Saturn showed me the Merlin. And I was like, wow, that's great. That's funny. <laughs> Let me tell you, my other friend hated me. <laughs> After that, when I told her that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know... <laughs> So, uh, uh, like Saturn, uh, I really like the the humor and the dynamics between Arthur and uh, and Merlin. I really like <laughs> those two. And um, yeah, you you come to care about the the characters and uh, you fall in love. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Then I uh, I I wrote a, a fan fiction too about uh, about Merlin. I should be writing the sequel, but uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you should be. Yes. <laughs> but will life is complicated, <laughs> and uh, I work with Saturn uh, on uh, on her stories um, about Merlin. Yeah, she's my alpha and beta reader. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that that's me. Cloud <laughs> Factory. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Like I said, I think it's amazing how many people who we've asked to talk about how they got into Merlin tell us, oh, I saw a gift set on Tumblr about the final episode, and I thought, oh, cool, it ends tragic, I gotta see this. And who also thought that because they know how it ends, it won't hurt them, and then it hurt them. Yeah, you cried. I'm so jealous, though, for, like... I'm so jealous for the amount of people that got into the show that way because even though it still hurt, at least you had a chance. Like, you had a chance to, like, get your head around it. Whereas <laughs> us that were watching from the beginning, we were just, like, just destroyed because we weren't expecting that ending. <laughs> it was just, yeah. like, it was, like I, I, I wish for anything that I could have known beforehand but watching uh, watching season five and knowing how it ends was uh, hard too because everything Merlin do you know it's bad yeah <laughs> so uh, you're watching the episode and you you're telling the, your um, computer stop doing that <laughs> you stupid <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Gaius and Uther and I did a little bit of Wikipedia reading. <laughs> I don't want to call it research. It's called, it's Wikipedia reading. Um, and I mean, as far as I know, there is no basis for Gaius in the legends. But I what I can tell you is that his name is um, ancient Roman and also used um, in the Bible, apparently. And it, like they're not sure what it means there is some there are some latin roots which might suggest that it means um to rejoice but they're not entirely sure if that's true but it definitely was a very common first name um during like ancient roman times evidenced by Gaius julius caesar being called that which i didn't even realize until i just read that <laughs> that Gaius has the same first name as Caesar. So, um, fun. And, like, I thought for the longest time that it was the male version of the name Gaia, which means Earth. But apparently it's not. But I, like, 
that would have made sense to me because like I think Gaia is often used in like um like paganism to refer to the earth and like mother earth so I was a bit surprised that you know Gaia's being magic like that that wasn't the motivation behind the name or maybe it was and the writers just didn't know better I don't know so um and then there's Uther who of course is in the legends <clears throat> and like there are some old Welsh poems that mention him but it's Joffrey of Monmouth once more who was the first to write a biography of Uther in his like history of kings of Britain and in this he is described as a strong king and defender of the people and the name Pendragon means something like chief dragon and is supposed to signify that he's the boss like his name is literally Uther boss <laughs> basically and yeah like I said he isn't mentioned much before Joffrey does the biography but there is one poem called the death song of Uther Penn and I just thought that was really interesting that the show like I'm constantly surprised how many of these references to Arthurian legends and all its spin-offs there are in the Merlin show that we don't even realize until we really get into it and like think about it or do some research like I didn't know that this poem existed or that the the episode title came from that poem probably so I don't even know what the poem is about because I didn't read it and I didn't read up on it I just thought that was cool that the creators thought of doing that so, according to Joffrey's biography, Uther is the youngest son of the king of Britannia, and his oldest, like, he's the youngest of three sons, and his oldest brother ascends the throne after their father dies, and then he is murdered. <laughs> and then Uther and his other older brother, who's called Aurelius, um, they were both still kids at the time, and they have to flee to Brittany while the dude who killed their brother makes an alliance with Hengist and the Saxons and that goes wrong at some point and then Uther and Aurelius can come back as adults and Aurelius takes the throne after that and while Aurelius is on the throne ruling the kingdom and everything Uther and his army go to Ireland to help Merlin bring the stones for Stonehenge back to Britain and then Later, Uther's brother becomes ill, and then Uther takes his army again to fight against the son of the previous usurper, like Hengist and the Saxons. <clears throat> and during that campaign, he sees a comet shaped like a dragon, which is where he supposedly earned his title of Pendragon. And then when he comes back to, to Britain, his brother has, has been poisoned, and then Uther becomes king. And there are some more wars and battles, and after they won them all, Uther throws a big party, and who should be there but Gorlois and his wife, Igraine? And that's when Uther's dick gets in the way, because he falls in lust with Igraine, and that sparks a war between Uther and Gorlois. And during that war, Uther disguises himself as Gorlois, with or without Merlin's help. It's not entirely sure, because according to Geoffrey, it was with Merlin's help, but according to other interpretations of the legends, Uther himself was a shapeshifter and could, could do it without help. So, you know, however you want to 
want to look at it. Like, whoever did the shape-shifting for Uther, he then rapes Igraine. And thus Arthur was conceived at um, Tintagel, where Igraine was actually hiding from Uther just so she wouldn't get raped. And also, I, at this point, I want to give kudos to Wikipedia for actually calling it rape. Um, because it totally was, but not a lot of source materials will call it that. But it was. So, while that is happening, Golois is killed, and then Uther marries Igraine, because why wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and they have another kid together, who in later versions uh, is then Morgos. Like, in the first version, she's called Anna, I think, or Anna. And then later it's turned so that that's Morgos. And uh, Uther dies because he's a bit of a doofus who goes to war even though he's gravely ill. And then he dies because he drank from a poisoned well on top of that. Like, he is ill, he goes to war, which is stressful, and then he drinks from a poisoned well. Which, to be fair, he didn't know it was poisoned. But that's when he dies. That is hilarious. (laughs) That is so funny, like, as if his day couldn't get any worse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, he he just, he could have stayed home because, you know, being seriously ill is a good excuse not to go to war. But no, he had to defend his honor and go himself. And that's when he died because someone poisoned a well from which he drank. (laughs) It's like that meme, expectations versus reality, (laughs) like expectation of going to war, like a gif of some like soldier with his hands up in the air, triumphant reality, dead from drinking from a poisoned well. (laughs) (laughs) So embarrassing. (laughs) Also, another um, interesting historical fact is that Uther's father is supposed to be based on Constantine the third who claimed the Roman throne from 407 to 411. So I thought that was... That would also explain why his brother is called Aurelius, which is a really Roman name. Okay, so much for the legendary background. Now let's talk about guys and Uther on the show. And I'm mainly looking to you guys for this because I mean I have notes, but <laughs> okay, you're the one. You're the ones who care. <laughs> well, you said it yourself, Momo, that Uther and Gaius are linked in so many ways because obviously they're the only surviving, apart from Nimue, who isn't really a main character. They're the only surviving links to the twenty years earlier prequel, which I've been like lobbying for for years, and we so rarely get glimpses of what happened 20 years prior. And to this day, and after five seasons, we don't have a clear picture, even though we've had several storylines discussing that period of time. Uh, And we, you know, we still don't even know if Igraine was really Igraine or if she was like a vision made by Morgos. So we still have no idea what really happened. So at least the vision that Morgos conjured definitely looked like Igraine. Because in um, the Tears of Uther Pendragon, when he gets like cursed with the Mandrake root, he keeps seeing her yeah. being drowned the same way he used to drown sorcerers. And it's the same actress who plays her. Yeah. So we would assume that at the very least, uh, the image that Morgos conjured 
at least looked like the real Egraine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would have assumed that there, I mean, we don't see it, but there would have been portraits and paintings made of her. So if she, yeah. I I assume Arthur would have known what she looked like. So if Morgoza just conjured some random person, it might have been a bit suspicious. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm mostly interested in Uther as a character because I just think that he is like compared to what we get of him in the legends he's so more developed in this show and i just think that i mean i didn't expect to fall in love with him as much as i did and it wasn't until kind of i got more and more into the fandom that i really appreciated him because i feel like he is the character in this show uh, apart from maybe merlin but way more than merlin who is prepared to make the tough calls when nobody else is and he's the one that's prepared to make the really hard decisions about you know life or death and his kingdom and all the rest of it to what he believes is protecting as many people as he can like he is genuinely like thinking 100% that magic users are going to be the downfall of his kingdom rightly or wrongly you know he's a very 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 you know damaged man <laughs> um you know he and he is doing what he believes is the the best that he can for his kingdom and what i i love the scene with him in the mark of nimue this isn't to do with magic users necessarily but when the plague is going around and you know he says to arthur well we have to cordon off the lower town because that's where the majority of the disease is and arthur's obviously trying to be noble and save everybody and he's like but what about the people that live there and uther just turns around to me and he says what am i supposed to do what else can i do i have to protect the rest of the kingdom like I can't save everybody. And he has those rare moments where the show just really lets him be that person, that person who has the responsibility of his entire kingdom on his shoulders. And he has to, you know, feed and clothe and protect everybody there. And, you know, especially in those moments where Arthur is being extremely loyal and maybe a little naive and, you know, wants to go out and save everyone or wants to go out and save Merlin's life. And Uther turns around and says, no, there will be people that will be dying for you. That is the that is your lot in life. You're going to be king and you need to get used to making those tough decisions and you can't save everyone. And I think that's just a really fascinating character to have. And I don't really think they ever made him a villain. He's definitely like an antagonist in the sense that, you know, he hates magic and Merlin is the protagonist who is a magic user. But I don't think they ever made him into a villain. I think we're meant to feel sadness when he eventually does die because Arthur obviously feels sadness. I mean, do you guys think that that's right? Or do you think he's more put into the villain spot in the show? No, you're totally right, I think. Yeah, I agree with you too. Because apart from his hatred for magic, He's not a bad person. Like you said, he tried to do his best for his um, his kingdom. He's a good king. Yeah. He follows the rules. Uh, he's a good king, and we, he, uh, he really cares for his people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, too. Yeah. He's just the, the antagonist, like you said, because uh, he's against magic, and Merlin, the, the main character, is magic. You kind of hate him because he killed innocent people who just happened to have magic. But apart from that, well, 
he's blinded by, by his hatred for magic. Yeah. But um, I think that before uh, Igraine died, he probably was a really good king, a bit like Arthur, but um, more about about the rules and the traditions. Mm. And what yeah. you have to remember with Uther is that, um, I don't remember when it was mentioned, but Uther conquered Camelot. Like, he, he didn't inherit the throne like he did in the legends. He conquered the kingdom and uh, presumably... Um, maybe I mean that is that is inferral, but like presumably the the conditions were worse before Uther got there. Yeah, and um, I think Gaius mentioned this at some point that Uther is a is a good king who does the best for his people, and that is where I get the idea that before Uther conquered Camelot, Camelot was worse off than after Uther conquered it, and until Igraine dies, he obviously doesn't have any kind of problem with magic like to the point where he asks Nimue to use yeah. magic to get Igraine pregnant so you know he he definitely wasn't anti-magic in any sense probably yeah, yeah. Gaius, uh, Gaius was was uh, studying magic he has yeah guys was, was free to study magic exactly yeah and, and Nimue uh, was his friend at court like she says I was your friend you welcomed me here so it was I mean, that sounds like a really, just a complete departure from what we have. And it's like a really lovely image to think of like sorcerers just be like, you know, being welcome at court and all the rest of it. So, you know, and it's like, even like things that only nobles can be knights. Gaius explains this as well, that that this rule was established during a time when Uther didn't know whom to trust. Because he was, he's a conqueror in this, in this sense, he's a, he's an usurper first. Like he, he dethroned whoever was on the throne of Camelot before he got there. You know, he, he took over rule of this country from whoever ruled it before. Or maybe no one ruled it before and he just instated himself as king over no one, mm. basically. Um, but still, everything the light touches is my kingdom. <laughs> basically, but you know that means that he really had reason to mistrust, like especially the natives of the country, and he only had the people he know knew from before to trust, and that's where this rule of only nobles can be can be knights comes from and yeah it is maybe 20 years later you can trust non-nobles to be to be knights and to have your back but Uther that's not how Uther experienced it in his lifetime and that's where the rule that's why the rule still exists and why he's so adamant about keeping to it even though you know we as the audience and also the the next generation of Arthur and Merlin and Morgana and Gwen they all know better that nobles could, in theory, betray you just as well as a peasant could if you give them the chance, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And like, if you, I mean, and like you said, Momo, when you look at Uther's life before Merlin the show, you know, he, I mean, you know, he, I feel like a lot of Uther's issues with parenting are coming down to his experience of his wife dying, obviously, because we can see that he's very capable of showing emotion when the chips are down because he loves mm. Arthur Morgana fiercely. You know, the first time we see him open up about anyone is about, is about his wife. When Nimue 
comes after him and you know calls or you know calls her barren and you know that you know she's dead and you know he says you know you know she was my heart and my soul you can get the idea that he was a really kind of feeling person and you know i think you know if we look at it from that perspective and if you put yourself in his shoes 20 years prior of someone who's you know trying to do the best for his kingdom and you know has a wife that he adores and they're trying to get pregnant and they you know he's conquered this land he desperately needs an heir otherwise you know things are going to turn very very bad and you know many many people could die and if he cares about his job the way that we know that he does and he turns to Nimue for advice and you know I I really don't know if I trust Nimue at all because (laughs) she's given us no reason to trust her even though I know she's a villain but you know he clearly did not understand the terms of the deal and the reason why I don't think I trust Nimue is because when Merlin goes to her and clearly says I will lay my life on the line for Arthur she chooses to not tell him that it will be his mother that will pay the price so I don't think that Uther was in any way informed or agreeing about what could happen if they conceive this child and you know you trust this woman you trust these sorcerers you want to be a friend to them and they in in your eyes betray you in the worst possible way because they take away the one thing that is dearest to you and you know I honestly I from the point of view of a medieval king who is there to protect the kingdom I can completely you know see why he went completely obsessively crazy about this you know purge because he's like well they're clearly out to get me because otherwise why wouldn't she tell me that a grain would die she clearly was plotting against me why else would she do this you know so and I think that when he makes those to us horrendous decisions like you know wanting to execute Mordred you know there's a scene uh, between him and Arthur when Arthur's like you know maybe we can just lock him up you know it seems a bit more of a merciful sentence and Uther's like yeah so he can grow stronger and so his allies can come and break him free and kill us all you know and it's like you know he does have reasons he's not just there like I enjoy murdering children he's like our enemies are watching us constantly looking for a way to get get in and take what we have which honestly is true like that is the entire point of of Merlin the show Merlin is the one saving Arthur's and Uther's life from people who are out to get Uther <laughs> yeah, exactly. or Arthur I mean to be fair they are doing it in revenge for what Uther has done with the purge but at this point like it has already happened the purge has already happened whether it was like in Uther's eyes justified or not like you know whatever you want to think about it but it has happened at this point and at this point when Uther says or like implies that the enemy is always out to get us he is right because they (laughs) literally are like every like watch season one and I think except for maybe Lancelot I think every episode is literally about someone trying to get revenge on Uther by killing Arthur or Uther himself. Like True. that is literally the plotline of season 1. <laughs> it's it's honestly hilarious and like you know I just think that give the guy a break just from the sense that you know he is genuinely like he is honestly not any different from any real life king that like has ruled, you know, England 
in any way, shape or form. And, you know, you can be merciful when like when you feel it's right. But like I said, he is the kind of character that has to make the tough calls. And he genuinely believes that allowing any kind of leeway on magic or magic laws or allowing them into Camelot is going to get everybody killed. And, you know, note how he doesn't go out of his way to murder druids like in wherever they're out in hiding outside of his kingdom he has no interest in going and you know wasting resources and knights to do that it's only when you know they enter his kingdom or you know threaten him personally that he you know is you know has to execute them and that's when he does it you know because he has laid down these laws that magic is unacceptable in camelot and if you don't like it leave or die you know it's like i know it sounds really really bad but you know this is not you know this is set in a time where you know it will be eaten and i think that he really is you know has made some very very poor choices that were led by grief and you know Mm. a lot of other very very terrible emotions that in these days he would have seen a counselor about but you know they obviously (laughs) they were not around i mean the dude is literally plagued by ghosts of his wife and drowning children. He is not well, okay? <laughs> like, he is not a well man. But I just, I don't know. And what's really cool that I find when um when season three aired and the whole Morgana thing was happening and you could see how much he was hurting. Uh, those two episodes that were screened um at the bfi uh south bank everybody was so supportive of uther like they were awing and when he uh you know like because he was kind of in that daze from all the ghosts that he was seeing when he heard that there was that siege on the castle and he got in his armor and he charged out there with his sword drawn everybody cheered and i was like yeah because he's not you know he's not Darth Vader for Christ's sake (laughs) he's a good you know he's a decent person that's just you know got a lot of blood on his hands and I I think um what uh, Uther is trying to forget when he he began the the great purge is maybe his guilt too because he he, he, he wanted a child he asked Nimue, he trusted Nimue to uh, to help him uh, have a, a child with uh, Igren, Igren. But she died, and I, I think he, he might be he might be feeling guilty a bit too. Oh yeah. He, he trusted magic, he trusted the sorceress, and uh, and he, he tended with uh, the death of uh, Igren, and uh, he went crazy. A bit for for that too, I, I think. He thought uh, he won't uh, ever do the same mistake again, trusting uh, a sorcerer. Uh, and then he started the Great Purge, and uh, once he started um, drowning children and uh, burning people at stake, you you can't stop then. You can turn back, yeah. Yeah, you can turn. I mean, back. you could, but. But then people are trying to get revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they're trying to get revenge anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just that you thought that if you kept going, you would just eliminate them all and there would be nobody left. And just uh, say, uh, oh, I made a mistake. Sorry. Uh, No, uh, magic is okay again. (laughs) I mean, you know, he could have just, like, 
if he ever had that point where he was like, fuck, what am I doing? He could have stopped and still, like, had had anti-magic laws and just be like, okay, but I'm not going to kill people about it anymore. They're just, they're going to be exiled from Camelot unless they actually commit crimes and then they will be executed for that. But, like, I mean, he had a chance, okay, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And he made a conscious decision to to keep going the way he has been. Yeah, it's like he he lost himself in all that that grief and that rage, and and he kept going. And uh, I think at the end, it, it's almost normal for him. Yeah. To, to, yeah, it's horrible to say, but <laughs> yeah, but it it became it became his new normal. That's that's that what it's. What it came up to is uh, just that was that was how it was for him at this point. Then that was his life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, can we just for a second though discuss the comedic uh, potential in Uther's war against magic? Because if it wasn't for that, we would never have the sorcery gif, which <laughs> is just perfection. We would never have his epic rants and we would never have his almost on autopilot responses in season one to any like of Arthur's but maybe father and all he does is he replies with no absolutely out of the question magic threatens everything that we hold here and it's just like it just rolls up the tongue he doesn't even have to think about it he's like no absolutely no question about it we are executing all magic users and it just doesn't it's just so funny when you watch it because it's like are you even listening? <laughs> like, you're just completely blank. I think that he has, he is actually a really comedic character for me just because of how, yeah, like, he's just so one-track minded. Like, I'm almost impressed that he's managed to keep this one track for 20 years and, like, no deviation from it. Like, Arthur hasn't been able to do that. He's like, women, I hate magic. Women, I don't. Women, it's good. Women, it's bad. And it's like, it just makes me laugh that Uther is just, continue and like i said it's just kind of become a meme like the sorcery gif like anytime anything is happening it's like sorcery and you know you've got uther to thank for that true <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about guys and that whole purge business and how it shaped him as a character to the character we know now because i think that's that's worth talking about like gaius clearly has been with uther like has been Uther's friend and court physician for probably as long as the court of Camelot was established. Yeah. And he used to be able to practice magic openly. And then after, after the purge or during the purge or right before the purge or whenever, um, Uther made a conscious decision to give Gaius the chance to stay at court as long as he never practiced magic again like Uther clearly knew that Arthur that that guys can do magic Mm-mm. did because, he I mean you know Gaius had no reason to hide it because magic was welcome in Camelot so the assumption is that I would make is that Gaius was allowed to practice magic and that Uther knew about it and then at some point Uther started hating magic and Gaius had like I think that Gaius's friendship with Uther, the, like they are still very much king and um, subject. 
Like there are, but they are also friends. A little bit like Merlin and Arthur, actually. <laughs> they are literally yeah, the Merlin and Arthur of the previous. <laughs> and like only like I mean, not to get in the way of the Uther Gaius shippers, but probably without like with less sex. Well, they were young ones. <laughs> True, they were young ones. <laughs> Although Gaius, I think Richard is a lot older than Tony. Is he? I don't know. I feel like because they're both like like I feel like there probably actually is an age difference between them. I'm quickly going to check that because that might be interesting to talk about their dynamic when they were younger. Like if Gaius is significantly older than Uther. What I was going to say is that Uther clearly was so fond of Gaius as a friend or whatever, and and trusted him even though he could do magic that he still wanted to keep him nearby and probably gave him the choice of give up ma- give up magic and stay with me and stay safe or keep going with magic and be exiled or executed or whatever the choice there was like i i don't want to think that uther would have executed gaius but he would have had to do it just to be consistent in his ruling so Clearly, Gaius is someone who has been important to Uther for a long time. Yeah. Even before the Purge. Yeah, um, we agree, Thatcher and I, that they they must have a lot of adventures when they were younger because you can see the trust between them in the in the show. Mm. And Gaius know, uh, knows every secret uh, about uh, Uther, about um, uh, Arthur um, birth, mm. um, about uh, Morgana and uh, everything. Well, he, he, knows didn't, he didn't know mm-hmm. about Morgana. Uther told him about Morgana in season three. Mm. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> He didn't know about Morgana being Uther's child until season three when she almost died. That's when Uther I don't Uther remember. told him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he so. does know, so that does count. He did tell him eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He did tell him eventually. Um, I think he, Gaius um, didn't know um, Uther, Uther hatred will, uh, will last uh, so long. Mm. He, he, he thought um, his grief w- would be maybe one year, two years, and, and then uh, Uther would come back to his sense, maybe. Uh, he made the choice to remain with Uther, uh, maybe to, to try to um, calm him, to um, appease him. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Mm. And uh, he, he gave up his own uh, fiance for that, uh, Alice. Yeah, he's all alive because he can't practice magic, he can't have children, he, I mean, he, yeah, he, he abandoned everything to stay by, um, by, by Uther's Uther. side, yeah. yeah. And, um, I think he, he, he uh, Gaius for the whole show, uh, tries to, to, everything he does is for the greater good. And, uh, I think he's, uh, that sounds like Dumbledore. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. He chose to 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 stay with Husser because uh, staying with Husser will um, allow him to help uh, people like Balina and uh, his own uh, fiance. Mm. And uh, if he had just uh, run away, 
couldn't have uh, helped uh, anyway. so many people uh, yeah. as he did by staying by Uther. Mm. Uh, he pretended to uh, agree with uh, Uther about uh, magic being dangerous, uh, so Uther would trust him. Yeah, yeah, you you, you can see. Uh, well, that's my point of view, but uh, Uther always ask, uh, always asks um, Gaius for advice. Uh, when there are uh, enemies, when there are magic ma- creatures, uh, yes, uh, and and you see, really, he trusts everything he said, uh, everything he says to him because he, he knows uh, he knows yes. his shit about magic. Yes. <laughs> but magic. Yes. And so, uh, Gaius is the magic Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I just wanted to add is that. Um, like, what if could have also been motivation for guys to stay with Uther, apart from, like, trying to save the ones, like, Balinor and Alice, who, you know, were actually good people. Like, he also saw the chance of eradicating the people who were actually doing bad with magic, like Edwin's parents, who were, according to Gaius, um, evil people doing sorcery. And I think that that was also a motivating factor for guys to be like, all right, we can actually punish the bad ones and I can secretly smuggle out a good portion of the good ones, you know. I think, though, that there are more parallels between guys and Uther and Merlin and Arthur than we really realize, because I know Merlin and Arthur are our protagonists, so we obviously want to see them in the best light. But obviously, as we've said, already because of the whole Mordred arc you know Arthur's hands aren't clean necessarily of blood because obviously he has done some you know questionable things to magic users when he is king and Merlin still sticks by him despite all of this and chooses him you know even though he doesn't always do the right thing and definitely is not on the side of magic for the majority of the show and I think that that's what Gaius is doing with Uther. He doesn't agree with him, just like Merlin doesn't agree with Arthur. But I imagine he hopes maybe through Gaius's influence, he can lessen the death toll. Maybe he can lessen the impact that, you know, Uther would have. Like maybe he can check his rage. And I really do think that Gaius cares about Uther a lot. He thinks that he is a good king. Like that's what, you know, Merlin always says about Arthur. He's a good king. He's a good king in spite of the things that he does. And I think that, you know, that, you know, or maybe not, I mean, obviously not the same stuff that Uther's doing, but even, you know, in spite of the fact that he calls me names, in spite of the fact that he treats me like shit, in spite of the fact that he throws things at me, you know, he's still a good person. (laughs) And I think that on a bigger scale is what's happening right here. And I think, like you guys said, it's also a mixture of hoping that he can, you know, save lives and just be on the down low. But I'd be really interested to see how much Uther really did know about Gaius practicing magic because Gaius, I mean, I know we kind of had that theory that if you kind of are out of practice for magic with magic for a while, then it would kind of leave you. But we only see Gaius using magic uh, once properly, which is in the poison chalice. And that's with a lot, of effort so I wonder if he ever really got that deep into his studies and whether he actually was proficient enough that Uther would have really known because I don't think Uther ever says anything or like hints that he's asked Gaius to or like given Gaius an ultimatum he says in 
remedy to cure all ills. I know I've asked you to do things that you found difficult, but I'm pretty sure he means like watch innocent people get killed, not like give up magic. But I don't know. Is there anything that he says that makes us think that he knew that he was practicing? Didn't he ask uh, when Morgana was ill yeah. to use every mean possible? Yeah, true. Yeah. Ah, right. With, uh, yeah, you can understand that if you need magic, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and then later yeah, after Morgana comes back to life, he was like, um, like he implies that he assumes that Guy has used magic to save her, and Guy is like, I didn't do anything. Uther is like, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, I know we know <laughs> think of it again. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think that's where that comes from, and I think it's like rightfully inferred that like Uther would only trust Gaius to do it, and not Gaius to find someone else to do it. So. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm not sure Gaius was a really powerful uh, magician. Uh, I, I'm not sure he has a lot of power, like Merlin or. Yeah. All maybe those he's enemies. Not, uh, he's not that good. Huh? Yeah, maybe. May, yeah, he, he's more in healing than uh, in potions. Attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, he hasn't practiced in at least twenty years. So, like, he tries to um, do magic to defend himself against Edwin, and it doesn't. It doesn't work because he he just he's out of practice. And even when he's trying to save Merlin in the Poison Chalice, he has to try at least twice, I think, to actually make it work. So I think he probably never had that much magic to begin with. And also he's woefully out of practice. But I still think that Uther definitely knew that Uther, that Gaius practiced magic because Gaius had no reason to hide it. And if they really were like friends or at least confidants or whatever, then I think Gaius would have told Uther about it. Also, did you did you find out their their age difference? Yeah, so Anthony Head is 60, uh, 64 and Richard Wilson is 82. So there is nearly, you know, 20 years difference between them. Um, and I don't know if the show is supposed to have us believe that they are the same age, but uh, well, because I, I never think... believed that. I always believed that yeah, Gaius was I at mean... least 10 years older in, than Uther. Well, it's weird because I never really thought about it until just now. I think because we had this parallel of the older generation of characters, I just kind of lumped them in together and I assumed, yeah, they were Merlin and Arthur's age running around together, you know, and like getting up to no good. But there, but yeah, he, Gaius was nearly 20 years older than Uther, which, you know, brings about this question of did they have more of a, you know, father-son relationship you know as opposed to friends even though now they are much more equal because of like as you get older age becomes less important in a way but like when Uther became king Gaius was you know in his 40s or something I so mean, maybe maybe Gaius was some kind of a mentor to yeah to Uther, although I can't really see how because um Gaius is not a noble he's a he's a peasant and then Uther makes him a free man after the whole Edwin thing. So before that, Gaius was a peasant, presumably. So I don't see why someone would make, like, a, a peasant the the tutor of a prince. Then again, what was Uther before he conquered Camelot? Mm. You know, we don't know if he came from a noble family or not, or if he just, like 
was really experienced in war and was like, well, I'm going to go and get myself a country. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) The more we discuss this, the more I'm convinced that, like... (laughs) That, that like there's something shady here because like you said you you don't make someone your court physician if they're a peasant and like I just feel like there was something going on there <laughs> <laughs> and now I want this like fic where Uther like and Gaius are young and like Gaius is older and like Uther is like in love with the grain and Gaius is in love with Uther and it's like this like epic tragedy and now he has to live with him in the castle and it's just like I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened and then also there's there's, uh, Joffrey the librarian (laughs) who is also somewhere around that age and you know and Joffrey calls Gaius old friend and so you know they had an affair definitely (laughs) at some point that's the code word (laughs) yeah old friend means old fuck buddy let's be real (laughs) you used to be my booty call so I will do this for you now They couldn't say that because it's a family show. <laughs> no, but listen, if the if there was something between Gaius and Uther, just think about like that that would explain why Uther didn't tell Gaius about Morgana earlier because maybe Uther knew about Gaius's feelings for him and he didn't want to like like trample them even more and that's why he waited until Gaius was like 70 years old and basically impotent and uh, like He's like, okay, so uh, I was married to Egraine, and then I also fucked this other woman. Yeah. <laughs> Savage. It's just like, <laughs> brokenhearted. But speaking of Merlin and Arthur and like their relationships with Gaius and Uther, I wondered if maybe we should discuss Gaius and Uther in the, uh, in the vein of fathers or father figures, because I know that that's a huge part of their identity. That's basically why they're in the show, is to be fathers and or mentors for our two protagonists and i know momo you have a lot to say about this well not really a lot (laughs) it's just uh well i will say that i agree that uther does love his children even though he doesn't really know how to express his affection especially for Arthur like he's he's much better at expressing it for Morgana um even though it is at this point really inappropriate because nobody knows she's his daughter <laughs> but like at least he's uh, at least he manages to express affection towards her when she isn't pissing him off and uh he's really terrible at expressing affection for Arthur which has managed to make Arthur and um emotionally illiterate person basically uh, i think uh Usa has conflicted feelings for arthur yeah because arthur was born of magic well i th- i think his conflict is more like i wanted this son so much and i do love him but also he's the reason my wife is dead yeah, yeah that too <laughs> <laughs> the fact that um uh, arthur was born of magic it's uh, it's not like Morgana. Morgana is a illegitimate but uh, natural child. There's no magic involved here. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> yes. Either way, whatever his reasons, he's not he's not great at showing Arthur that he cares, uh, which has led to to like 
issues that Arthur has with expressing how he feels uh, in in return. But yeah, I will say that I do believe that Uther loves him. It's just that he's crap at expressing that love and that it's not always like... Like, because of something you said, Roxanne, that he is a good a good king and he tries to do what's best for the kingdom. Like, he will put the kingdom even above his own family, like, even above his own son. Yeah. You know, he will, he, he always puts Camelot and what he believes to be best for Camelot first. Which, to be fair, is pretty great for, you know, being a king, thinking of your kingdom, the people that depend on you first. But as a father... Yeah, pretty hard (laughs) on you. I mean, it's a shit job. Like you know, I, you know, back back in those days, anyway, I would never want that job. It's like you are, yeah, first and foremost, you know, judge and executioner and ruler and father and all the rest of it to so many people, and you can't be a husband and a father on top of it. It's just you cannot. And like, I I absolutely love the scene with. Arthur and Uther during Queen of Hearts. I'm finally going to get to sink my teeth into this. <laughs> because, because, you know, you, he finds Arthur and Gwen. And what do you get? He, you know, he's laughing at him. He's laughing at him because he's like, oh, you know, we can bond over this. I was in that situation more than once. And Arthur's like, kill me now. And then it's just like, you know, when he starts to realize that Arthur wants to marry Gwen and he shouldn't marry Gwen because you know, Arthur's going to be king. You know, he's really calm about it. And he's like, look, your first duty is to Camelot. And he's really reasoning with him. He's trying to, like, rationalize for Arthur why this cannot happen. And then when Arthur is just, like, not having it then Uther is like well I'm sorry but she's going to be banished and he's calm he doesn't want to cause her any harm and then obviously you know Morgana is evil and meddles and you know frames Gwen and it's no fault of Gwen's but in Uther's eyes of course she looks guilty as sin because of course she does because that's what Morgana did and you know when Arthur comes charging in a mess and just deranged like in terms of like I'll do anything and then when he you know is held back by those guards and screams at his father we will flee the kingdom I relinquish my entitlement to the throne I do not blame Uther in any way shape or form for looking at his son and saying I don't recognize you you're clearly enchanted she has to die because you're clearly under her spell. What else could you possibly say to uh, your son that you've raised for 20 years to be the best king and who you know is dutiful and honorable and, you know, even though is a little bit naive at times, loves his people? What do you say to him when he stands in front of you and says, I'll give up my rights to the kingdom for this woman after you found a poultice under her pillow? You know, he's yeah. he, he's right. And when he stands there and he... I feel for all of them because obviously they're all, you know, under Morgana, you know, like they're all suffering because of Morgana's meddling. But, you know, when he puts his hand on his cheek and he says the spell will be broken and you'll feel better, you'll see I was right. And I'm just like, it breaks my heart because you can see how concerned he is for him because Arthur's not making any sense. And I'm just like, God, it's just so tragic that like, you know, this is this is the way that they try and make him a bad guy is by making him speak the truth. And I'm just like, why? It's so frustrating. I mean, 
anyone else have anything to say about that scene? Like, again, this is literally, this has nothing to do with Arwen. This is just to do with, like, the way that Uther reacted to it. I thought it was spot on. I was so happy that, like, they played it like that. Yeah. And, I mean, in Uther's eyes, like, um, in the past, Gwen has already been accused of magic once. And, yeah, it was proven that it wasn't her, but still, that lingers in his mind. Then, later, her father is found consorting with sorceress <laughs> who then tries to flee and gets killed as a result of that. So like and now this and like like it's just put yourself in Uther's shoes. Like you don't know anything else about Gwen other than that she's Morgana's maidservant and and that she her family has been accused of doing magic twice in the last five years. And, like, what else is he supposed to think? Like, I will say that when when Arthur was acting out of character during um, Gates of Avalon, you know, Uther didn't clog on. Like, not once does Uther suspect magic, which is weird because Uther always suspects magic. (laughs) But he does say, like, when he threatens to execute Sophia, Arthur backs down, like, is, like, reasonable and sensible. And he is like, okay, fine, like, I'll listen to you. Whereas here, he's just, like, like, I remember watching this episode and just saying, I don't recognize this guy. (laughs) Like, he's not, like... He's just like his eyes are wild. He's just like he's all like out of breath and just talking crap. And I'm just like, oh, Uther, just just you you need to slap him some. You need like you need to be real now, Arthur. Like I'm just like <laughs> you know you just need to shape up, man. It's it, this is not okay. But I I don't know. I feel like Uther really tries to do the best for his kids. He just he doesn't. I mean, you know we've. We've talked about toxic masculinity on this podcast before and how Arthur, you know, exudes it 1000% in this show, but it comes from Uther. But, you know, there's, what else can you possibly do with this kind of character and this kind of show and this kind of setting? Because even Arthur, who is meant to be our protagonist and the more caring and the more compassionate is still a bit of a toxic little shit. And it's like, you know, Uther isn't going to do much better than that. And he does the best that he can. And I do love the arc we do get because, you know, I think the first time that we see Uther open up to Arthur at all is an Excalibur, and we're going to talk about that like in a couple, like like in a couple of months' time. So we won't go into it, but you know. And then obviously that's the first time that we see he really cares because we feel like he would throw Arthur under the bus if he got the, you know, if he got the chance. But no, he says he loves him more than anything. And then we get these little nuggets of like wonderful scenes between them where you like more and more and more you get to see how much he means to him and when he comes close to losing him and you know when he eventually does die and just that you know moment where he's I've always loved you and it's just it's a beautiful arc that they gave them and I love the fact that they never ended up seeing eye to eye but it didn't matter because in those last moments they were just father and son and I think that's really really wonderful but I know we've already discussed the um the horrible moment when Arthur sees him as a ghost and he's like everything he thought he'd done well Uther just kind of like (laughs) was like nope (laughs) but I mean you could also like Maybe that is how Uther really would have felt because it is like from what we know of his character on this show, it is maybe likely that he would have 
thought that because he's think he thinks he genuinely would think that Arthur is throwing away everything that Uther built. But there's also something to be said for like these like ghosts maybe you know just being the most vicious version that they could be like maybe maybe the real Uther wouldn't have been quite like that. We we just don't know because again there is there's magic at play and even though we know magic can be used as a force of good where the where the afterlife and all that is concerned you can't be entirely sure that that's real. Yeah, and and maybe this ghost um uh, represents a bit of Arthur um insecurity. Like you say, I'm not sure the real uh, Uther like he was before he died. I mean, it's a construct of magic, of Arthur, view of his father, of a lot of things, I I I guess. I think maybe it's also that, you know, seeing this this ghost of, of Uther is like his very, like basically his essence, like concentrated... Uther-ness because that's that's his spirit and like I think that even if Uther thought this way which like I said probably is true Uther the person maybe wouldn't have like expressed it quite like that because I mean the, the reason why I think that it might really be what Uther truly thought what really would have been thinking is because the the woman who gives Arthur the horn, um, she has no reason to bear Arthur any ill will, and she genuinely gives him this horn because she wants him to get the chance to see a loved one who has died again. You know, it's just that she didn't know <laughs> that that the loved one would be Uther, <laughs> who would be spouting fairly hateful stuff like. I really wish, like, I see why they did this episode, but I really wish that Arthur would have used the horn to see his mother. But, oh, well, where's my fanfic? (laughs) (laughs) Or both of them. Or both of them together. together. It's young people. (laughs) What do we, I mean, what about, because obviously part of the reason why I find it really difficult to discuss Uther's relationship with Morgana on this show is because, I mean, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge that they genuinely have not like they didn't know, I think, that she was going to be his biological daughter until they started writing season three. Like, I think I mean, I don't I don't see why that would be in their plan, as I've said, if they were pushing for Arthur and Morgana so much in season one. I don't think that crossed their minds to do that twist. So even though you can try and connect the dots when you have that like metafictional like knowledge, you can't like shy away from that and the fact that he didn't as far as we know know that she was his daughter that changes their dynamic because it's written like i've said before it's written a lot more in my opinion like this uh weird husband and wife dynamic who are trying to parent a very annoying arthur <laughs> like yes. every conversation they have is about arthur and his safety and they argue about arthur and they argue about you know magic and it doesn't feel very father daughtery to me and i find i mean like I, like and I've said a million times, I can see why people like why the fanfics existed, because, you know, they, they did have a very weird dynamic. But I mean, 
I don't know how to really, if we are going to go, like if we look at season one and two in isolation, pretend season three had never aired and the rest of the show would never aired. How do we look at their dynamic there and why? And like, because they are very hostile to each other. He doesn't really have that deep love that he seems to have for her until she disappears. And I wonder if that's because then they decided she was going to be his daughter. But until that point, he doesn't really treat either of them very well. <laughs> He's just constantly bickering with her. And I wonder like where that's like, if he likes having her around, if he's maybe a bit resentful that he had to take care of her because of Gorlois. And it's just like, all she's doing is trouble. There's this, there's this scene in, um, uh, to kill the King where she is about to kill him. Or let him be killed by uh, what's his face, Torin, I think. Yeah, and um, when Uther is like, "I value you so much, and I well value the fact that you always speak your mind and keep me in check, just like your father, etc." Did like there is this genuine moment of affection between them in that episode where Uther expresses his feelings and and tells her how much she means to him as a friend and a person who speaks her mind to him, even if he doesn't always like hearing it. I'm kind of like, I know this is really weird, but like if they had gone down the road of like Morgana just being completely unrelated to Uther and just being his ward, like in that respect, I find it really interesting because in a, in reality, I think they probably would like if it like if the show was real life, like I feel like they probably would have d- gone down a romantic route with them because there's no reason why they wouldn't have in that sense. Like, you know, if he needed another wife or something and she wasn't related to him. And I like it's weird that you mentioned that friend, like like that you use the word friend and not like, you know, ward or like daughter because yeah he's very yeah their dynamic is not like that at all in season one in my opinion I know that he says I'm your guardian and like he uses those words but they fight and they bicker and you know there's very little like apart from that one moment and yeah I don't know which which I prefer I love their scenes in season one they're so hilarious how they just constantly are arguing but not in like a horrible way and then season two I feel like they don't really have any scenes together like, I can't really think of any, <laughs> apart from, like, obviously when she's disappeared and he's really upset. Like, yeah, I, that's, that's it. Oh, he, um, when she comes back from the Druid camp, he's really, like, overjoyed to see her. And then that's, like, the and only time. There's also the Lancelot and Guinevere episode when when he welcomes her back after she's after she manages to flee and and get back to Camelot and he's like hugging her and holding her close and then then they have the whole argument about her wanting to go back to save Gwen and he's like yeah we're not doing that (laughs) (laughs) haven't you learned from Arthur and how he went to see (laughs) Merlin yeah actually I'm kind of like I'm kind of like annoyed that they went down the daughter route now I think they should have like done done a different thing (laughs) I'm gonna say it. And no, this isn't your theory that I'm into incest Momo. I'm saying if they weren't related. <laughs> if they weren't related, I think it would be cool. But hey, I ship Arthur and Morgana as well, so I'm clearly going to hell. I don't give a shit. 
I'm I'm just in denial that Morgana is related to Uther and Arthur. I think it's the dumbest plot twist ever, and I just hate it. Since we're already talking about relationships between uh, someone and Morgana, I think also the relationship between Gaius and Morgana is worth talking about. Uh, because clearly he has known her since she was a kid. He has been uh, <clears throat> helping her with... <laughs> With uh, her nightmares, when she knows what they are for real, and like all all of that. Like two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the gates of Avalon and um, like guys and Morgana in it, and we didn't go too much into it because we knew we were going to talk about this today. So now I can talk about it. Um, how he, you know, I do believe that he's concerned about her, and that is part of the reason why he like tries to soothe her and tries to reassure her that nothing's wrong they're just dreams you know something the mind trace uh, plays tricks on you and how he also tells her not to bother Uther with this because Gaius knows Uther and he knows that when Uther hears about Morgana having dreams that sometimes come true Uther will recognize them for what they are and even if that's not what they were Uther would assume that that's what they are and so guys is like okay i'm telling you not to worry about it but also don't tell uther <laughs> which honestly is the biggest red flag he could have been swinging because later in the episode morgana has figured it out herself that you know this is uh like telling uther would be a bad idea because he would definitely assume it's magic um but yeah i find that like I'm not really sure what guys is assuming will happen by keeping the truth from Morgana. Like, where, like, if that's really concern for her that's keeping him keep quiet about it, or if it's maybe concern about, like, himself that's keeping him uh, keep quiet about it because he's like, maybe he's thinking, well, what would Uther think if he found out that Morgana has these visions and I didn't know about it, even though I have been treating her for these nightmares all these years, you know? And like, I think that season one guys, even though he is a good person deep down, he's also selfish in my opinion. He's, he's a selfish person. Um, like not mean spirited or anything, but just like looking out for himself first and foremost, like, uh, we had this discussion in, I don't remember what episode, probably earlier season one, when Merlin is like, well, what would you do if they found out that I'm a sorcerer? And Guys has this little moment of hesitation and he says, well, just make sure they don't. Well, you can <laughs> tell that, you know, in this moment, he either doesn't know what he would be doing or he would give up Merlin like nothing at all. Um, and then it's later that he's like, you mean, you mean the world to me, you're like my son and I, I would do anything for you, but that takes time. And also I'm a bit like, why don't you extend that courtesy to Morgana? <laughs> because you've known her much longer than Merlin, but okay. Uh, I, have a, I have a theory, uh, about that. Please go. So, <laughs> uh, in season one, episode one, episode one, uh, he sees Merlin doing uh, magic, uh, elementary magic, without uh, spells, ni- nor anything. 
And um, I think Gaius uh, thinks that that um, magic is something you learn and study. And uh, if you don't, you you don't have magic, maybe. And uh, Merlin is a exception. Mm-hmm. He can do do magic uh, since the day he was born. Yeah, practically. Mm-hmm. And um, I think um, uh, Gaius uh, treats uh, helps Merlin because Merlin has uh, some kind of weird. Uh, Magic. Born he he tells uh, Merlin, uh, you are a question that has never been uh, posed. Yeah. 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 And uh, Morgana is not, uh, it's different. I, I think um, Gaius um, don't, don't, doesn't tell anything to Morgana because if Morgana never learns, uh, never learns about uh, magic, about uh, her abilities, and she doesn't practice it and uh, study it, maybe it will just uh, fade away, yeah, and she will be safe. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a really good point. And Gaius even says to Merlin when he first arrives and he says, what spell did you use? And and he says, I don't know any spells. He says, that's impossible. So I can imagine he probably doesn't think that there's two of them (laughs) in the same (laughs) parcel. Really? I feel for guys just a tiny bit i know he's done some shitty things but he's, he, he was leading a nice quiet life before merlin showed up and he yeah. probably is thinking now morgana's got magic what are you gonna tell me next uther's got magic <laughs> everyone's got magic arthur's got magic now i've got to keep that a secret as well doesn't want the hassle of keeping everyone's secret but he should have done better by morgana i feel really bad for her like, yeah, I mean, I, as, as soon as he realizes that Morgana does have magic, like, at the latest in season two, when he realizes that Morgana does have magic, and, like, has magic the same way Merlin has magic, in that she just has it, you know, and she needs to learn how to control it, like, at the very latest, he then should have said something to her, if no one else, because he owed it to her and the fact that he didn't it makes him as much guilty of what Morgana became later on as people claim that Merlin that Merlin is guilty for not saying anything like Gaius had had much less to lose from helping Morgana than Merlin did I think deep down he really tried to protect her because at the beginning he didn't tell neither her or Uther because yeah, like you said, uh, he knows uh, Uther, and I'm sure Uther would have um, killed Morgana for magic, even if he really loved her. It would have, it would have destroyed Uther, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure he would have gone crazier than he is <laughs> at the beginning. But I, I think Gaius is set on his idea that she 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 can't know. Um, because yeah, like you said, mm. she she will try to have uh, those visions to save people, to mm. to do something about what she sees, yeah. and um, and she will want to study magic, and uh, that is very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and it will it will become really dangerous for her, for Uther, for the kingdom, for everything. I I think he really had good intentions. Uh, after that, yeah. He, 
is complex <laughs> he, he has a, a certain view of the world and it's it can be ambiguous but i really think he, he uh, tries to, to do Gaius his best is human is very human he makes mistakes he tries to do what he thinks is best but mm. he made mistakes yeah i mean that's that's fair obviously um obviously that's fair but like i also think that he <sighs> i just think that you know his your reasoning for him is definitely something i feel is right for season one where like you know if i tell morgana that these visions are a sign of magic then maybe she wants to learn it and that would be dangerous for her even though honestly i think he should give morgana more credit like she knows that that would be dangerous for her to do but then in season two when he has like proof that Morgana has magic that she can't control like how can he justify that it would be safer for her not to know anything about it and let it just keep going like it was out of control where eventually she might even do magic involuntarily in front of Uther rather than advise her to get some sort of training like even give it to her himself uh in secret like that 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 would have some would have be something they could have justified that like oh morgana has been having nightmares we're trying a different treatment for which you know we're trying i don't know whatever the equivalent of meditation would have been <laughs> or something you know where we're like we're, we're trying some exercises she can do before sleep and they use that like that's a justification they give to uther and uh in reality they're practicing like magic in secret a little bit so she can learn to control to control it better like i just think that uh, i'm not sure um gaius is capable uh if capable of um of teaching that to Morgana, I'm not sure he knows a lot about uh, about this kind of magic, to okay. be honest. Okay, fair, but still, I think he should have tried to like help her find a way to control it in in some way because obviously nothing was gained by not telling her, and I don't think like even if you like guys can't see the future that's Morgana's job but like even if he couldn't foresee what would happen with Morgana later on I still think he should have considered the fact of what if Morgana does magic involuntarily in front of Uther because then she will definitely die the, the same same can, can be said for Merlin M Merlin didn't help Morgana at any point Merlin did help Morgana though he sent her to the druids and he try to do his yeah. best by her but uh, i think it's a bit complicated about gaius and morgana because i don't know if it's how the show is written but in season one gaius um always called her my child he's really fatherly when he talks to her and then she turns eight, uh, when she turns evil it's like pfft, oh yeah <laughs> she's evil okay. Well, let's see her, and, and you're like, yeah, but didn't didn't you care about her? So I don't know if it's the character, or if, it, if it's how the show um, keeps getting written differently. But yeah, there is a part yeah, a bit uncertain about Gaius and Morgana, and you don't really know mm. always why why he did what he did. I'd say it's definitely how the show is written because Gwen also stops caring about Morgana. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just yeah. stops caring about Morgana when she's evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like, with Morgana and her magic, though, I mean, in a... I think, like you said, Momo, Gaius is a very self-serving character, and I think that, you know, Merlin was kind of placed under his nose in a way that he really couldn't ignore, and I think he just happened to really, like, love him after that. And I know he cares for Morgana and everything, but I think it's much easier for him to ignore Morgana's powers because, obviously, he's not directly involved and he hasn't seen anything necessarily. But I do wonder, like, whether the show just forgot or Gaius kind of doesn't really understand Uther's relationship with Morgana because obviously he should know better than to assume Uther would kill Morgana on sight because Uther forgave, like, and allowed Gaius to live at court, like, as we said, when he knew that Gaius was practicing magic. Morgana just has, like these outbursts and i'm sure if she said like you know because she doesn't seem like she's very happy about having magic like at the beginning she just wants you know a normal life so if she came to uther and said i don't know what's wrong with me i want to get rid of it i don't want to have this i'm scared i might hurt someone maybe he would you know i mean maybe it's too far too like you know too far down the line now for him to see sense but 20 years ago he let Gaius live at court if he promised he would never practice again so why not Morgana but maybe we're not meant to believe that Uther's relationship with Morgana in season one is as strong as it is in season three maybe we're meant to believe that you know because they are very much at odds and they don't agree about magic that he just doesn't love her as much as he did Gaius or whatever that he would just let her live by season three if like we were shown those kinds of scenes between them earlier on i would completely be like no he would never kill her but i don't know i mean he threw her in the dungeons pretty quick so you know and that was just because he like had a had an argument well you know what would he do if he found out she was having these dreams but i don't know it's like do you think that the show just forgot that he did technically pardon gaius or are we or or is there a deeper meaning to that that maybe we're meant to believe that morgana wasn't that dear to him after all yeah. Forgot. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> but if you look, uh, and I don't remember which season it was, but um, when Aridian came in Camelot, uh, Uther was really quick to condemn Gaius um, to to death. I, yeah. I, I remember. Mm-hmm. So, and if I mean, twenty years ago, he forgave him for his magic, and then in, now. Just because he had a magic bracelet. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. the assumption the assumption here is like not to to justify what Uther did because it was shitty, but like to uh, to just uh, give background. Like, Gaius was pardoned, presumably under the condition that he would never practice magic or have anything to do with magic ever again, and and Gaius has trusted him these last. 20 years you know and didn't have a reason to mistrust Gaius where especially where magic is concerned and now this uh renowned witch finder who is so good at his job uh tells Uther listen this dude he has a magic bracelet and Uther is like Gaius I trusted you not to ever do magic again why is there a magic bracelet and he confesses. <laughs> clearly, you must be, you know, clearly you must be doing something shady. 
Because why else would you be having magical artifacts in your possession? And, like, he actually, because obviously Iridian, like, mentally tortures Gaius and he confesses that he's a sorcerer. And, you know, Uther is like, you know, you betrayed me. Although, I, I mean, I don't know whether this is just, like, how good Iridian is or how good of an actor Gaius is. Obviously, he's protecting... Merlin, which I mean, we can get into that as well because we haven't talked about Gaius and Merlin at all. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, like like, but I, I'm not sure if that's like a testament to how stupid Uther is that he believed him because it's like, have you never heard of you know people breaking under torture, Uther? Come on, now you're a king. I'm sure you've tortured people before. Like you yeah, know, that, that that's why you torture people so they say what you want them to say. Obviously. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, like, did he not think that, like, uh, like maybe Gaius looked a little bit like he was tortured and didn't actually mean the things he was saying? No, but you know, there is still the history of God, of Uther knowing that Gaius actually does know how to do magic, so. You know, it's 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 not a lie. And then Uther is just like uh, short-sighted and things like, well, he he must be a sorcerer now. If he says, I am a sorcerer, then clearly, because grammar is everything, obviously Uther cares so much about grammar that he notices this little difference where Gaius doesn't say, I was a sorcerer. No, he says, I am a sorcerer, which means he is one now. <laughs> Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> they have that really like I love the scene between them afterwards where he comes to Gaius's chambers and he tries to put things right and Gaius just gives him the cold shoulder. I wish we'd actually seen that arc resolved where they like make up because <laughs> I mean, like, Well no, because it looks as you know, as though there's like this now rift between them where Gaius doesn't trust Uther anymore, where he looks like he trusted him at least enough you know to carry on working for him and you know he basically is like you know you you deceive yourself you are the problem and I'm done pretending like I agree with the things you're doing you know because you know you've 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 crossed a line here and I think that would have been but they I mean that's just a testament to the show you know they 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 started dropping story threads left right and center which, which came to the outside characters and they really started honing in on uh well just on the three really which is morgana um merlin and arthur gwen even kind of got shafted for the majority of the show and forget about uther and Gaius. they really their story threads were just like stripped bare by season five so you know i mean they even killed uther so you know it's like i mean the assumption that, that is that probably uther and Gaius hate fucked at some point after that and then everything was okay again <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that well you're the you're the one who said they made up yeah but no, I, no when i say made up i mean I wish we'd got to see them have a conversation and this, and this thread was resolved. I don't need to think about Richard Wilson in that. <laughs> like, no, in, not, in that way. <laughs> I, like, he's like, he's my grandparents' age, okay? Like, <laughs> there are some things that are not okay. <laughs> Shall we talk about Gaius and Merlin then? I mean, I've said it a million times already i'll say it again for the sake of this episode that as much as i can recognize that gaius dearly loves merlin as a son he just did not write by him <laughs> because um 
Like, okay, it is arguable how much Gaius could have Merlin could have taught Merlin in terms of magic, but Gaius really should have like encouraged like Gaius was so blinded by his own fears of what would happen um if anybody practiced magic that he did not see the big picture where Merlin had to learn how to use magic in order to control it. Which brings us back to what I just said about Morgana, that she has to learn how to control magic in order to be safe with her own magic. And the same goes for Merlin, who, when he comes to Camelot, Camelot already has a better grasp on his own magic, but he still stands to learn a lot, especially because Gaius knows how passionate Merlin is about using his magic, about wanting to use his magic for good, and Gaius just discourages him time and time again from using it for anything except when it serves Gaius's purposes. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's why Merlin was such easy prey for people like uh, Edwin, even later on for Julius Borden, and, and other characters where just they offer Merlin the thing that he wants. And Gaius, I mean, I don't know how much Gaius knows about this, but I would assume that Merlin tells Gaius a bunch of things because they have a close relationship. So, you know, it's just Gaius doesn't recognize that Merlin would be safer from these people <laughs> and from manipula manipulation if he just, you know, gave him a little more than just that book of spells and... and you know, it's just even, he gave him the book of spells, but he still tells Merlin, well, I gave you the book, but just don't use it. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's like, here, have Gold a cookbook. Gold star. Like, here, have a cookbook of really easy recipes, but please don't use it to feed yourself. <laughs> like, okay. that's, that's like my, and then, of course, the, the semi-comedic moments where guys is like, Merlin, have you been using sorcery while the door is open <laughs> oh, yeah. and like the king is just around the corner? Like, come on, guys, please. <laughs> that is Merlin's biggest threat of being discovered is like someone walking past <laughs> because guys is shouting at Merlin not to use his magic. <laughs> I love those scenes so much. And one of my favorites is um, in the Witch Finder when Merlin gets accused and like, you know, like right at the beginning and he's walking, they're walking into these chambers and the guys go, how could you be so stupid? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, <laughs> and it, oh my God, it's just the same spiel over and over again. There's a scene in, um, the beginning of the end i only remember it because i have notes uh for the episode when we're going to review it but this isn't really a review no it's just a comedic moment when Merlin starts asking about the druids and Gaius is just really distracted by what he's writing that he doesn't coin on to why would Merlin be asking about the druids where the druid boy is loose in camelot and he's just like <laughs> with this like feather and then he pauses sits up and goes Merlin please tell me that you have not got yourself mixed up in this. And it's just like, of course he has, you idiot. <laughs> what did you expect? And the guy, like, guys just look so, like, done with everything. He just wants a quiet retirement and he doesn't need to be, like, like raising a teenage boy. <laughs> and he's just like, I love those moments, though, yeah, where yeah. he's just I mean, yelling. <laughs> I, I do appreciate Guy's sass. Like, that is that is some prime sass material he's got there. Like, I appreciate him for that, definitely. Yeah, on the tavern. 
Yeah, yeah. Mullins is at the tavern. <laughs> Although I I do have beef with that because Gaius has to know what that does to Merlin's reputation with Arthur and that it's not helping at all. The tavern. <laughs> like it just furthers like Arthur's mistreatment of Merlin and just like no Gaius, please say little like Gaius for Gaius especially it would be so easy to say, Oh, I sent him on an errand to pick herbs that can only be picked at the full moon on a spring night. Oh, I don't care. You know? <laughs> like why always the tavern? So what do you guys, uh, Saturn and Cloud Factory, what do you like think about the relationship with Merlin and Gaius? Uh, like you said at the beginning, I, I think Merlin is like um an inconvenience for <laughs> for Gaius maybe because yeah he got this kid with a lot of magic when he he passed the last twenty years trying to be discreet and um and to stay under the radar and um yeah at, at the beginning you you you're not sure of the loyalty of of Gaius towards Merlin but I guess as the show um, goes on, um, you really see a, a fatherly love between those two. Yeah. And yeah, may, maybe. I mean, I mean, guys didn't taught um, magic uh, to Merlin, but he did give him this book. He, he could he could have just not done nothing. Yeah, yeah, done nothing. And you you see that. Gaius is trying to to well to help him. Yeah, yeah to, you see, you see the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, when he when when there's a plague at the season one with the Athen. Yes. yes. When uh, when um Merlin tries to to help the fa- uh, grandfathers uh, to to heal him, and Gaius uh, tell him not to. It's not because that's he, because he's mean or yeah, anything, he, uh, he tells Merlin you have to 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 find the the, the yes the the origin of, of this plague. Uh, just saving one people won't help uh, anybody, and it's true because uh, Gwen Gwen is accused of doing magic because mm. only her father is suddenly uh, healthy again. Mm-hmm. So I I think he's trying he's trying to. Um, how to say to uh, no. put some sense in his uh, yeah yeah to... uh, in season one Merlin is really uh, reckless yeah. uh, he doesn't think at all he just acts and uh, then maybe <laughs> after he thinks <laughs> yeah, yeah yes, but the he... but the problem is that Gaius who does think Gaius who does see the bigger picture he never bothers to explain to Merlin the bigger picture like he expects Merlin who is a baby somewhere between presumably 16 and 19 years old, uh, he expects Merlin to just know what Gaius knows, way more life experience uh, than Merlin, who does see the bigger picture, who does know what Uther is going to think if only Gwen's father gets well. Like, he doesn't tell Merlin, he just assumes that Merlin will get there on his own and, like, understand and not, not act rashly, but he doesn't because Merlin is a teenager and he doesn't think like he just doesn't he just acts out of emotion and Gaius doesn't understand that and that's like uh, 
that's 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 my beef that Gaius just never explains anything to Merlin and just expects Merlin to understand Gaius's reasons, even though Gaius never explains his reasons. Yeah, yeah, he's never had uh, children, so he doesn't know how it works. <laughs> Listen, he has been treating children all his life, though. Like he has been around children. Just because I don't want children or have children, I know how to treat children. Like that's that's no excuse. Even if he took the time to explain to Merlin why not do that, I'm not sure Merlin will have listened to him. He's too reckless, like you yeah. said. And I think Gaius could have sit with him two hours explaining <laughs> why do not uh, do this or save this. Nah, nah. I think Merlin will... Uh, just uh, fall on us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He <laughs> will just uh, go on the... I think Merlin he, needs to do uh, mistakes to learn. Yeah, he has to experience his choices have consequences and uh, he can't act uh, recklessly uh, for what he think is good. But problem is that in this case, the consequences are death for either Merlin or someone else. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's right to say, you know, children or young people have to make their own mistakes and learn through experience but in this case Merlin's mistakes literally could cost lives which is the point guys was trying to make and I think that in this case guys really should have been like okay I need to explain this because lives are at stake here like actual human lives are at stake here I can't wait for Merlin to to understand this because once he's understood this it means someone has died but Gaius is not very good at uh, pedagogy. <laughs> no, uh, he really is. <laughs> I think Gaius thinks that uh, just saying uh, not do, do not do that is enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well. It's not uh, just with Merlin because he used to have a pupil, um, Julius, 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 who is uh, too uh, reckless and. <laughs> I, I just think um, uh, Gaius is not very good uh, <laughs> for teaching. Yeah, no. <laughs> he really isn't. <laughs> That's really a woo. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, makes me wonder why they chose him to be Merlin's mentor on the show. Yeah. <laughs> if he's actually true. bad at mentoring. Uh, I mean, they're always in this show... Everybody is dying at one point or another. <laughs> I would like to say, well, one more or one less. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> no, but um, I'm surprised by the end of the show. Is there still citizens alive? <laughs> well, Leon is immortal now, so clearly he had to survive. And Gaius is immortal. He's the only one left. He outlived them all. <laughs> <laughs> So clearly, okay, from from that point of view, clearly he was doing something right all these years because he still lives at the end. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's good at surviving. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit um about Gaius and Uther in uh in the fandom, in fan works, what they I mean, obviously um, we mostly read uh shippy stuff, so they're usually background characters, but maybe you guys have delved a little bit more into like fix just about Gaius or Uther where they like play a central role. 
Uh, I just read um, a very shippy fic about um, Gaius and Husser and Geoffroy and <laughs> many other people. <laughs> Wait, many other people in that threesome or just like those three and then other ships? Uh, you have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's, uh, what's your experience in like how they're portrayed in, in fanfics? Like both canon or modern AUs, whatever you guys like to read. Uh, I mostly read uh, Mercer uh, fix. So um, Gaius is um, generally just here to give uh, advice or um, yeah. just give the eyebrow. Or... <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> all. That's all. They always have the same role than in the show. I mean, Uther, like the. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> yeah. uh, a bit more villain maybe than in the show, and mm. guys, yeah, often there for advice or um, of a bit of humor <laughs> with the libro, with the yes, tavern. the tavern, but I don't think there is a lot of fic about guys. Only guys. I'm not sure there is a lot of. Um, but no. yeah, I, I see that too, that in, in fix like also modern AUs, that guys is often reduced to advisor to Merlin and also comic relief. And Uther is often the the villain who stands in the way of the Merther. <clears throat> yeah. And like, yeah. I, I, I realized that when I write Uther into stories, most of the time... I make him the villain, except for Christmas. I always give him a redemption arcs at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. I feel like Uther and Gaius, I mean, I'm, I can't, like, I think in modern AUs, what I find really weird is that they often don't know each other, which, like, in the show, like, they're, like, best friends, and... In modern AUs, they're mostly like Uther is connected to Arthur's arc and Gaius is like Merlin's friend or like uncle oh, but, or whatever. But I have definitely mm. read fics where Uther and Gaius do know each other. Like they're not as close as they are yeah. uh, supposed to be on the show, but they definitely do know each other. And that's like, for example, how Merlin got a job at uh, Uther's company or mm -hmm. that's how... Oh, okay. Yeah. Things like that. Like often they will know or like uh even if they don't interact in modern like in in the present there will be references to Gaius having known Uther in the past for some reason. I think in one in one fic I it uh I don't remember which which one it was, but in one fic I'm pretty sure that Gaius is the lawyer of uh of the Pendragons. Uh so, you know. Oh, okay. So. Yes. Yeah. Th there is one where Gaius is uh, a servant of the Pendragons, and um, he played a role. It's a modern uh, AU, and uh, he helped um, hide uh, Merlin uh, magic. Uh, it's like uh, you take the show and you, you push it in modern I AU, and they have mm -hmm. the same roles. Mm -hmm. You you show you, you see it sometimes. Yeah. It depends on um, on the mm. writer. But yeah, more often than not, like especially in Martha Fix or even other fakes, I think when Gaius is featured, he's like a 
uncle or something to Merlin, who's a bit weird, but ultimately the one to help Merlin in some kind of situation. And Uther is the strict father that pushes his son to the point of pushing him away, who's uh, like racist or homophobic instead of being anti-magic, unless he's actually anti-magic because it's a magic modern AU, you know, so that's that's usually usually his role. Yes. I did write uh, Gaius on Uther in some of my fics, and um, one of my fic, uh, Uther actually wants to um, legalize magic um, to uh, save Morgana, who is dead, and he wants to resu- resurrect her with magic at some point. Nice. I I feel like Gaius... Uh, well, I can only really base this off of one fic in particular, which is um, Intended, which we love. <laughs> um, but uh, he's uh, he's gay in that in that fic, which I find really interesting because obviously Richard Wilson is gay. And I wonder if that's where that inspiration is drawn from. And I feel like that's not the only fic I've read that from, but I couldn't place any names. Like, But I know that that one, he is definitely gay in that fic for sure. Uther definitely i've never read as gay which i think is quite interesting i'm wondering what like i was wondering what like the the most common love interests for guys and uther were in in fix and like i mean i have a three stats to back it up but like what are you guys like what do you guys think or what are your experience with what are their most common love interests in stories usually they, they use alice ah alice. yeah, yeah. When Gay is with someone in all the fics I've read, it's Alice. It's no one else. Mm. From from my experiences. But, um, and Uther? I mean, other than Egrain, obviously. Uh, if he's not alone, sometimes he's remarried to... Uh, they, they use the name of all the characters in the show. So if you have Sophia... Sometimes you have a, an affair with a Nimue, but <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, but no, not often uh, with someone. Yeah, mm. usually is is uh, a widow. Oh. So the ones I could find, like the top five for Uther, are of course Igraine Uther, <clears throat> Merlin Uther. Oh, <laughs> there are 113 fics on AO3 with that pairing. Morgana Uther, um, Arthur Uther. Oh, really? Uh, yes. 40, 40 stories on AO3 with Arthur and Uther. And then Gaius and Uther is in fifth place, actually. With Arthur, Arthur. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur and Uther. Like you have more incest than Gaius Uther old people sex. I'm <laughs> telling you that it's the, it's the devil. Even people will prefer the other stuff over. <laughs> I mean, young. to be fair, it could just be like Ukraine Uther stuff where they were like young ones, you know. It could be pre-canon fake where they were like 16-year-old boys who were experimenting or whatever. Like, Uther would be 16 and Gaius would be 26 or older and be his mentor. Like, everything I love. (laughs) (laughs) I'd read that. (laughs) And the top five Gaius ships are Alice and Gaius, um, Uther and Gaius, 
Gaius Merlin and Agravain Gaius. <laughs> Agravain Gaius is three whole stories. It's so <laughs> random. And then, like, the rest is, like, there are more pairings, but they all only have, like, one work in uh in their tags. So, you know, that's, like, Gaius only has a top four. <laughs> he doesn't even get a top five. Well, he is 20 years older than <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I also looked up, like, how many works they each have in their character tag, and I did exclude Merthyr this time. And so Gaius has almost 1,900 works with his character tag, and Uther only has uh, 1,266. So Uther actually has fewer tag works than Gaius. And also because I like to weird out Roxanne, but also because I found it interesting, I also checked how many E-rated, like explicit-rated fics they each have, and I did exclude all the Mirtha because... If there's Mirtha, then the explicit stuff is about them, obviously. <laughs> <clears throat> there are 225 works for Gaius that are rated explicit, and 349 for Uther. So I just thought I'd I'd throw that out there. <laughs> God. It like honestly, it weirds me out less for Uther because like Anthony Head was in his 50s when he filmed Merlin. Like that is not. It, by any means, an old person. <laughs> but, like, Richard Wilson was in his 70s. So I feel like it's a but little yeah, you bit can just, you can write fic in which he's young. I know, but I doubt that's what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> well, not... You don't know. You haven't read them. <laughs> if there are people on the internet writing Uther Arthur stories, they're definitely not making the effort to make Uther and Gaius young. <laughs> And some of them, I think they did. Okay, well, you can, I mean, if you if you came across any, feel free to send them my way. <laughs> All right. Speaking of coming across figs, how about some some wrecks? So it's an explicit one with lots of porn. <laughs> very, very funny. You have to read it. So it's called uh, Rusty Spoons. And what to do with them? It's written by Comsy the Universe. Yeah. Okay. And this Marie five times Merlin walks in on Gaius, and one time Gaius walks in on him. It's Gaius with multiple uh, yeah, pairings. Yeah. Gaius <laughs> with Usa, Gaius with Geoffroy, and Gaius with many people. And... Gaius is having fun, and he's old. Roxanne, did you hear that? Uh... <laughs> it's not... He's not dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> of people who need love. <laughs> I made a, um, a drawing a few years ago about uh, how Gaius uh, shouts uh, about um, Merlin's magic uh-huh. in front of guards and, and stuff. Okay, awesome. So my recs are less fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there also I will have to say except for like uh, one they are all uh, like Merthyr fix um, I did genuinely I did go looking for guys in Uther centric stories I even listened to a bunch um, but they all weren't like they weren't like oh yeah this is so great I need to recommend this um, so he will have to make do with the other things that I still remembered. 
The first one is called Into His Own. It was written by Sarcastic Chick and Podfic by Reganum. It's about 8,000 words long, rated mature. The Podfic is about 50 minutes long. And the summary is, Merlin thought nothing of it when Gaius dropped the first clay pot. It was, after all, an empty pot. So this is written post-season one. And, like, the fact that Gaius died, or almost died, on the Isle of the Blessed has actual, like, consequences after after they come back to Camelot. And the consequence is, and this is a spoiler as much as it's a warning, but it happens in, like, uh, the first the first half of the story, like the first third of the story, honestly, Gaius dies in uh, after he comes back uh, from from the Isle of the Blessed because of what happened on the Isle. And um, even though he dies very early on in the story, like things that he has said to Merlin, things that he has told Merlin and things that Merlin had to do as a consequence of Gaius dying are like a thread through the entire story. So like Gaius is always kind of present until the very end of this story. And it's very much, it's as much about like this decision that Gaius made as it is about everything that happens to Merlin after. So that is one. Um, then the second one is called gluttony it's written by lillian cho it's only a hundred words long and it's exactly a hundred words long which makes me happy because it's a real drabble it's rated jen and the summary is gaius grew up in a small village where going hungry during lean winters was a fact of life and it's like a tiny bit of character study on gaius and his past and how it has shaped his character to like the present of the canon of Merlin the show so just a little tiny tiny piece that like it's just a nice thing to think about with like oh nice be going hungry is not nice but like it's just you know just gives you an idea like a bit more characterization of Gaius uh, the character and then my third one is called remember remember the 5th of November written by Angel Queen and the potfic by Herbaceous. It's about 3,000 words long. It's alterated mature. And the potfic's about 20 minutes long. It's a Uther point of view story. The summary is secrets destroy one way or another. And in this story, you have uh, it's Merlin Arthur. And Merlin is a cis woman in this story. And here's your warning slash spoiler. There is half-sibling incest in this story, but they didn't know that they were committing incest. And that is all I will say on the subject. Like, I listened to this about a year ago, I think, and I listened to it again today. And it's just, I love this story. <laughs> I truly, I truly love it just for everything, basically. Just, I just highly recommend, like, reading it or listening to it if you can deal with, like incest where they didn't know that they were committing it and it's just like it's really really good my last one just to raise the spirits a little bit is called for your information it was written by rainy days and podfic by cb and it teening up audiences and i can't actually tell you how long i would be in written format because either it's 
gone offline or I just forgot to write it down, but I'll find the link if there is one later. The summary is <clears throat> an excerpt from the fig. Merlin sighs. After your announcement, he explains, your father decided he needed a bit more information, which is apparently why I come in. I'm sort of like his gay tutor. It's hard to explain. And like, that's basically what happens. Arthur comes out to Uther about being gay. It's a modern AU story. And then Uther just doesn't know what to do with Arthur anymore. <laughs> and Gaius, who is Uther's friend in this story, recommends that Uther talks to Merlin, who is gay and Gaius's nephew and he also talks Merlin into talking to Uther and then they sort of strike a weird kind of friendship from there where like Merlin explains everything about being gay <laughs> to to Uther and what to do with Arthur now that Uther knows Arthur is gay and then Uther is trying to match make Merlin and Arthur in the story as well <laughs> it's just it's funny like it's it's hilarious I love this story I have uh, listened to it many times and it's just it is absolutely wonderful and funny and cute and you should definitely definitely listen to it because Uther is just adorable in it and his friendship with Merlin is just weird but equally adorable <laughs> so go and check that one out one of the uh recs that I'm gonna give is uh not on the uh not on my list but seeing as we mentioned it before I'm gonna go ahead and wreck that pod big <laughs> because I think that people should listen to it it's called Experienced, and it's read by Sophonisba. I don't know who wrote it, though. And it's really good, and it's just... Uh, it's it's definitely, like, one that you have to warm up to. <laughs> but, like, Uther's, like, not, like... Yeah, like, okay, so it's a Merlin-Uther story. The summary is, Uther takes charge of Merlin's sexual education. And then a quote from the story, Your Arthur's little friend. The homosexual. <laughs> I just love that the homosexual. It's really good. Like, and there's this, like, there's a bit of like Mirtha subtext in there because I think Uther at one point like mentions, oh, like I don't like if you've seen Merlin looking at Arthur a particular way. I it's been so many years since I've actually listened to it because I kind of went through a phase where I stopped listening to to Sophie fix for a while, and but I but I really need to get back into it. Um, and I kind of like I can't remember why they start getting involved but I know that Merlin comes around for a sleepover uh, at Arthur's and then like things happen <laughs> it, but it's like you know but it's a bit it's obviously very very Uther centric because you know he's one of the two people in the story and like he's you know he's very in character like you know he's very kind of judgmental in the sense that he's like oh you're the homosexual and you know things like that but he's yeah, it's just very Uther-like, and I think it's really, really cool. Like, it's the only fic I've read where he's like played like a like a major role. So, and then I have four vid recs as usual. So, uh, one of the recs I have is one that was made by the collab group, the Merlin collab group that I was a part of, called Two Side Studios, and it is a Gaius character study or study, just like a like a Gaius. Uh, character vid we also did one for Uther but I'm wrecking the Gaius one because I like it a bit better and we did it to a song called By Your Side 
And it was just about how Gaius is kind of, I know that we've kind of talked about how he's kind of failed everyone on the show, but he, in this vid, we kind of took the uh, side of, he's like a friend to everyone and like everyone comes to him for advice and he's nice to everyone. So that was that. Uh, (laughs) Then I have, a vid uh called <laughs> i don't okay i don't know if anyone knows the song everybody loves me by one republic it was very popular on youtube for a very long time and um like there were so many characters that got vidded to it and someone vidded uther to it but in like a really ironic way so like you have him being like like executing people and stuff like that but this but the bit but like the song is like everybody loves me and it's just really hilarious and that's one of my it's so short it's like a little tiny one but it's just so hilarious and it's a really upbeat song and just uther like killing people left right and center um <laughs> then i have a video by uh, Estas, uh, who I've wrecked before, and she—I I mean, I don't know if this is cheating to an extent—but she made a Uther um, origin story video using Jonathan Rhys Myers from the Tudors, and I don't know her name, but the lady that played Queen Elizabeth Woodville in *The White Queen*. And she's Igraine. And then the lady who played Anne Boleyn in the Tudors is Vivienne. And so you have the whole Vivienne and Uther, like, you know, affair. And then you have the love affair with him and Igraine and everything like that. And um, I I watched it years ago. I loved it then. I love it now. It's a really cool little AU. And it's the prequel I've always wanted. <laughs> Uh, so my last track is also by Estas, and it's just an Uther Pendragon character vid called Almost Perfect Dream, and it was a competition entry, so I assume it was just meant to be character-focused. And in the description of the video, um, she's written uh, three aspects to his character, king, husband, and father, and uh, she kind of edits the video in a way that starts from showing you him as a king and then slowly uh transitions to him as a husband with the Igraine storyline and then obviously as a father which is ironic because it's the three aspects of his character we talked about today and it's really lovely and it's basically I love seeing really honest and like true videos about him like this and who he really was in the show because like I said I'm a big fan of him and I did cry when we got the promo stills of him dead so there you go uh yeah that's um that's all my recs. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that actually concludes our episode for Gaius and Uther. Thank you, Saturn and Cloud Factory, for coming on the show with us. It's always great to have guests and great to hear from people who genuinely like a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when when we don't or when one of us doesn't. So that's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for meeting us. Yeah, <laughs> it was oh, definitely. You. <laughs> and next time, in two weeks, we are going to talk about conventions. Like, what what type of conventions did we have back in the day? And what kind of conventions can we expect these days? And until then, we will say goodbye. I'm Momotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And we had two lovely guests today who were Saturn and Cloud Factory. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.